No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that as David flees Jerusalem to escape Absalom, some people come out to bless him, but one person uses the opportunity to curse him. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Samuel chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. For the second time in his life, David was on the run. Early in his life, he was running from King Saul. Now he was running from his own son, Absalom, who led a rebellion against his father. David and his servants had left Jerusalem and reached the summit of the Mount of Olives. We continue today in 2 Samuel chapter 16. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. The bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, and where's your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Here all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, my lord, O king. So as David and his men were fleeing Jerusalem, there were some good folks that had been coming out to him. One of them was David's trusted friend and counselor, Hushai. And here comes Ziba. Now, Ziba had been the servant of Saul. And when David wanted to bless Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, he gave Mephibosheth all of the land of Saul and then assigned Ziba to take care of it for Mephibosheth. So here comes Ziba with all of these goods, food and wine. Of course, that was very useful to David and his men at this point. But David was a bit concerned because he didn't see Mephibosheth with Ziba. So he asked him, you know, well, where's your master's son? And and Ziba said, well, he didn't want to come. He said in Jerusalem, he said, now I'm going to get the kingdom of my father. It's finally going to be given to me, which really was a lie. We shall see later. Uh, He was slandering Mephibosheth. But David uh, just made a rash decision here. He said, well, everything that was... Mephibosheth now belongs to you. And David really wasn't in the best of uh, conditions to make this decision. He certainly didn't have all of the facts. Uh, and so it was a rash judgment. Proverbs 18.13 says that he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. And Proverbs 18.17 says the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. David only had one side of the story here and really didn't make the right call on this. But I think we see Ziba's true motive here because as soon as David says this, Ziba says that he did this, that he might find favor 
in the king's sight. And so really, it wasn't that he was out there just uh, wanting to bless David and his men. He wanted to get favor from the king, which, of course, he did, uh, getting what he wanted, which was Mephibosheth's land. Now, when King David came to Ahuram, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. Coming from there, he came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also, Shimei said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. <laughs> Who was this guy? Okay, so he comes out of Bahurim. It was a village on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho in the tribal territory of Benjamin. And he starts cursing the king, throwing stones, kicking up dust, just really making a scene and accusing David really of being bloodthirsty and, and taking the kingdom of Saul by force, which he never did. He never laid a hand against Saul, but just coming in this slanderous way. And, you know, that is just the way the devil works when you're down, when you're bummed, you're weeping as David was over everything that was going on. Now here comes the devil to just lay these false accusations against him. And of course, Shimei really was in the wrong. In Exodus twenty-two twenty-eight, it says, you shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. He had no right to be cursing David like this. But like so many stone throwers, Shimei was breaking the law even while he was accusing David of evil. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king, please let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse. For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went through stones at him and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. So, Abishai, Joab's brother, said, look, let me just take this guy's head off for you, David. You don't need this. But David said, no, no, what do I have in common with you? Let him curse, because perhaps the Lord has said to him to curse me. And David, again, was just surrendered to whatever God was going to permit. He realized that, you know, maybe I'm supposed to suffer this cursing right now. And if I humble myself beneath it, God will look upon me and bless me for having received it. And you know, that is just such a noble way to handle it when people bring 
accusations or slander or insults against you. It's hard to take. You want to be defensive, especially when you know there's not a shred of truth to it. But, you know, David really took the high road here. He said, look, you know, maybe God's allowing this. And if I'll just suffer beneath it, God will bless me. That is so much like the character of Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus committed no sin, and yet when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't say a word. And, you know, I can't say that I haven't committed sin, and yet I'm so quick to want to defend myself. But here, uh, what Jesus gave to us was a great example here. And yes, it requires that we die to self, for sure. And David was looking forward to the reward, that if he suffered this now, then God would reward him later. And that's really true. Jesus said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And that's what you got to do. When these kinds of things happen, you just look forward to the reward at the end of the day. Jesus said, look, if you are persecuted or insulted for my sake, just know that that's what they did to the prophets, but you've got a great reward in heaven. Verse 15, Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend came to Absalom that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. So Absalom was surprised to see David's friend Hushai come back and want to be with him and said, you know, shouldn't your loyalty be with your friend? But Hushai said, no, you know, I'm going to be with you, you know. And and so, uh, but notice here the way Hushai response to Absalom. He never actually lies. He was very wise in what he said. He said, long live the king. Notice he didn't say which king. Uh, Absalom would naturally assume that Hushai was calling him king, but Hushai was referring to King David. And then he said, whom the Lord and this people and the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Well, who had the Lord chosen but King David? And even though there was uh, this temporary turning away from King David by the people of Israel, they would eventually turn back to him and call him their king again. And then he said, Should I not serve in the presence of his son as I have served in your father's presence? So I will be in your presence. 
So truly, Hushai would serve in the presence of Absalom, but he didn't say whom he was going to serve. He would, in fact, be serving David, even though he was in the presence of David's son, Absalom. Now, Absalom, being as conceited as he was, naturally thought that Hushai was talking about being loyal to him, uh, and that would prove to be Absalom's undoing. I just think of what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And certainly, Hushai had that kind of wisdom. Absalom trusted in his good looks, his charm, his popularity, his army, and the wisdom of Ahithophel. But David trusted in the Lord. David knew that he was reaping what he had sown he had come under the chastening hand of the Lord. And according to Psalm 51, he knew that his bones had been broken. But he also knew that it was a broken and contrite heart that the Lord would not despise. David could look forward to the day when God would restore the joy of his salvation and uphold him by his generous spirit. And then once again, David would teach transgressors the ways of the Lord and sinners would be converted. Those who live for this world and prosper according to the ways of this world, like Absalom. They're like the grass of the field. Grows up tall today, but it's mowed down tomorrow. But those who trust in the Lord and make him their rock of refuge will endure forever. Long live King Jesus and those who are his loyal subjects. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Absalom follows the first advice given to him, but rejects the second advice. This would prove to be his ruin. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible.